them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. You guys know what it is, stacking pennies, episode six, coming at you with my with my butt. Jonathan Merriman, aka Rolling Thunder. Got producer, Mr. Chuck Bush. How y'all doing this morning? I'm upright. I can't complain. It's a little wet outside, but I'm good. The audio the audio isn't tip top shape as you guys are used to hearing. Normally we're in the studio last couple weeks. Uh, I was blowing under the weather last week. This week I'm cramped for time. I gotta go to Bristol here this afternoon. They keep moving the schedule on me, so Chuck is making this audio work as good as possible via Zoom. But next week, stay tuned. We'll have some clear, crisp audio for you. But what else do we have? Some clear, crisp audio and racing from Phoenix. Uh, March 2X punching his ticket to playoff. A little surprising, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that, that Gibbs was fast and they had some speed. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be Kyle Busch going into the weekend. No surprise here. I have egg on my face coming out of the weekend. Uh, with Chuck, the, Chuck, when I woke up on Monday morning, I forgot that you put in the request for the previous winner. And when I woke up on Monday morning thinking that Martin Chuck's going to be in the show, I was like, dang it. Now I'm going to get him pissed off because all I'm going to ask him is why he bitches about lap cars all the time. And I was probably going to piss him off, and he's probably going to leave the show. So I'm glad. Uh, we weren't able to get Martin 2X today because that's all that I would ask. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of looking forward to the potential uh, prospect of, of having him on because as I was listening to the race on Sunday, you know, he hit the wall early, and then he I, I, I was sitting there thinking, it's like, is this, is this it? Is this, like, are, are we seeing the end of Martin Truex's run? And then he goes off and rattles a win. And I'll pose this to you. In 2015, kind of the same thing happened. Folks rode off Martin Truex Jr. And then he comes back and he goes and wins, uh, what, 20-some-odd races, wins a championship. So I kind of wanted him to come on the show. Martin Truex's career is quite interesting, right? When he, he goes from DEI to, to Michael Walter Brayson, and he was a guy who wasn't putting a whole lot of stats in the, in the win category. Uh, he won a couple road courses and it was solid there, but generally speaking, he wasn't a championship contender. Uh, but he gets with Front Row Motorsports, Front Row Furniture Row Motorsports, and it pretty much takes his career off, and, and he, he transitions from there to Gibbs and picks up that wooden weight. Who, who I think is we have to be worried about the uh, to Chuck's point is this the the end of Kyle Busch's reign because that eighteen team is is a couple spots in front of me. That ain't good for the 18. That's not where Kyle Busch is used to running. Well, let me ask you this too, Corey. You go back to the Bush days, Xfinity days. I mean, Truex was, was kicking Kyle Busch all over the racetrack, beating him in championships. What's the difference between that and the difference we see in Cup or have seen in Cup before Kyle Busch's fall off? Because Martin was giving Kyle a run for his money in, in Xfinity. I don't. I just don't know. I think that. Uh, I think that goes to show how hard the Cup Series is, how hard it is to win on a consistent basis. Where a guy like Kyle Busch, who's won over 200 combined races in the trucks, Xfinity Series and Cup Series, can't break into victory lane for years, almost a, a year on end. Um, you got to have everything working for you on pit road. The cars have to handle 
just to the driver's feel. So for for the 18 team not to be able to figure out that combination to get in victory lane is perplexing to me, Chuck. I've been wondering this for a while, and I, I know it, it's been talked about throughout the sport, but we're seeing these guys almost – I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Your guys that were dominant for the past decade are now starting to show signs of wear and tear. And that's not a knock on anybody's skill, ability, or whatever, but it's just father time always creeps up unless you're Tom Brady and you can go out there at 57 and still sling touchdowns for um, Super Bowls. Jimmy Johnson, like, the guy was Superman. The guy won so many races, but then there was a drastic fall-off. And you can't ever pre- – Yeah, but Kyle's only 35. That's what I was about to say is you can never predict. You can't say, oh, at this age or at this time or at this moment in your life, it drops off. Like there's no way to say that, oh, yeah, if you're a finely tuned athlete, you can make it all the way to 43, 44, 45, 57, whatever. It, it's, it's hard to make that call of, yes, this is the time right here where you will lose your talent. Not saying they lost their talent, lose their edge. Lose uh, lose that competitive spark, or is it that the rest of the competition is coming up to them and catching them, and forcing them to show their weaknesses? Maybe are you trying to say this that Kyle Busch used up all of his talent to get 200 wins, and after that, it dried up like the Sahara Desert? Jimmy Johnson got seven championships, and it dried up after that. Valid point, Chuck. It was I going. Don't... It was going dry towards number seven, though. I mean, you can easy, easy. The only way we can rag on Jimmy Johnson is how the on bottom him. of his how the bottom of his fire suit jeans are cut. That's the only <laughs> way we can. That's the only way we can rag on the seven time champ. So you watch your mouth. We're going to Atlanta this week. Bulls honor five hundred. Harvick has not been able to break out and get back to his race winning ways. This is the week he's going to do it. No question. Uh, I think you're onto something there. Uh, I mean, this is this is a Harvick bread and butter uh, racetrack, so I'm not going to argue with you there. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the smart thing after what is it five or six weeks in and actually agree with you on this uh, and, and try to put a couple points on the board. Good call. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, him and Rodney Childers have to feel pretty good coming out of Phoenix. I mean, they had they had a little bit of speed there. Hey, how about how about this back? Just came in my little brain like a little light bulb. Ding. 20 years, 20-year anniversary of winning his first career cup race in Atlanta beating Jeff Gordon, guys. It's, it's, the, the canvas is there for the picture. I'm going to take the contrary opinion on this. I'm going to take the contrary opinion on this and say that he falls into that same category of drivers that I don't think he gets the win. I don't think – I think he is starting to show those signs. I think he's – I don't know. They were showing – Signs of moving forward at Phoenix a little bit, but, you know, Phoenix, that's a place that you think that he's going to do well. And Atlanta, it's the same thing. Is he going to do well at Atlanta? He used to be the dominant driver at Atlanta. I just don't know if that's the case anymore. I don't know. This is, this is like a, this is a pet peeve of, uh, of mine when, you know, what, we're, we're, we're five races into the season. They were doing it three races into the season. So and so hasn't won yet this year. So and so is on a you know X amount of losing streak going back to, to last year. Everybody's slow out of the gate. 
As soon as we rattle off two or three more mile and a half, the haves and have-nots will appear. We're not going to get these surprise winners at these racetracks. Harvick's going to start racking up wins. Kyle Busch is a question mark. Denny's going to start racking up wins. Your Chase is going to start racking up wins. I don't know. It just burns me up when, when you know, we're like, well, so-and-so hasn't won yet this season. Well, damn, we just started racing. Well, let me pose this to Corey. What's changed between November and now in March? Like, what has changed? Like, has the rules package changed? Is there something completely different with the way that we go to the track? Like, what has changed between last season when Kevin Harvick was dominant and then this season? Great question. I feel like racing, no matter if the, if the packages change or don't change, let's just say they've stayed the same like they had the last year or two, it goes in waves, right? Where it's you're not talking about big strides in competition to take yourself from being a fourth-place car to a race-winning car. It is like pennies, right? Stacking of the pennies in the wind tunnel, of the CG, you hit on a setup here or there, uh, and it's these microscopic gains. When you're looking for when you're looking for two or three counts of downforce, two or three counts of side force can take, that could be the difference between being a fifth or sixth place car to contender for wins. Like that's how small the, the error or, or margin for error is in the cup series, because you could have one mistake and run 16th. Uh, Ross Chastain and I were talking about it this week. Like you can, you have to have a perfect day to run 17th. And if you make one mistake or lose two or three spots on pit road or a bad restart and you're running 24th, like that's on in Xfinity. I was talking to somebody else in Xfinity. The, the mistakes are microscopic and the gains are exaggerated, right? In the cup series, it's the opposite. The, the mistakes are exaggerated and the gains are microscopic because everybody is executing from first to 30th. And, and we saw that this weekend with, uh, you know, everybody was tagging me on social media. We let a couple laps, right? We let seven or eight laps with this, with this strategy that we tried to go long and hope for a caution and try to get a wave around and, and all the stuff that didn't pan out for us. But you don't recover from, you know, a, a bad call, give or take, if, if you will, in, sec- in, in the second stage. Uh, you lose two laps, and then you don't get it back because you don't have the speed to overcome it. So, uh, you know, we, we learned some stuff there on what to do in the future. Um, but I guess the train of thought there was was trying to go long, either catch a caution or put put fuel in it real quick for to try to keep ourselves on pit road for the least amount of time and go, go back out on the racetrack and see where we blended. Uh, but the tire fall off was drastically more than we, we anticipated uh, both right sides on the cords after that run. And I can assure you two right sides on the cords is no fun to drive around Phoenix raceway for 80 laps. And year over year, Corey, are they bringing the same setup back? If something worked for Kevin Harvick in at Atlanta last year, they're not to the T bringing that back. Are they? It depends there's some, on something they're finding. Yeah. There's, there's, they, they look at tire data. So tire data is probably what they're looking at the most. Uh, if we're bringing the same tire back or a comparable tire back to look at that and adjust. But, um, you know, I think that they're always, they're always changing. You know, they, they're finding some downforce or changing their platform and their car to see if they can make a little more side force or, or anything. I, 
guy like Rodney Childers is not stuck in his ways, right? So he he's always on the cutting edge of what is going into these cup cars to make him go. But when you combine that with the feel that Kevin Harvick has, as we saw the first time he was at the track, he won driving that 29 Goodrich uh, Chevy. What was it back then? A Monte Carlo for Richard Childress. So the guys had an unbelievable feel for the racetrack, and it only keeps coming to them. The older it gets, the more bumpy and worn out it gets. It favors that old grizzly vet, Kevin Harvick. So there's no question he's going to be up front center for a win this weekend. I'd like to see it. I, 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 I wanted to see last year Kevin Harvick go for those 10 wins and try and, you know, make history. I'm here for that. Like, honestly, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for people to defy the odds and do stuff that uh, hasn't really been done before. Uh, Corey, I did want to touch on one thing about your run up there at the front at Phoenix. MRN had a sweet call. I can't remember who was on it, but it said, uh, and there's Corey LaJoy, like a hair on a biscuit, just hanging in there. <laughs> I, I think that was Alex Hayden. Yeah, I think it was Alex Hayden. Said that. I wasn't going to say yeah, his name. You know, I was just going to throw it out there that, you know, they were saying like hair on no, a biscuit. So. Yeah, I was, I was hanging around like hair on a biscuit. Now, I don't really understand that. I don't really understand the example, but you know what? Sounds like a compliment, so I'll take it. That's next year's podcast title if this one doesn't pan out. Hair on a biscuit. <laughs> if this one goes down in a ball of flame, hair on a biscuit's coming to you. You know you know what you know what little rumblings you hear in the back and on Twitter and you go on the explore page and see what's hanging around like hair on a biscuit? This terrible idea of moving the car numbers. That needs to be plucked out of that biscuit and thrown in the trash. The whole idea. What do you think about this whole moving the number situation? I love it. We talked about this with Jimmy's fire suit. I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm pro put the numbers wherever the hell you want to put the numbers. I, you know, I go to watch cars go around in circles. I don't care where they put the numbers. As long as they don't like, as long as you're not going to come out and try to like run Roman numerals, I don't care. What's wrong with Roman numerals? We don't live in Rome, Corey. That's true. Yeah, they're hard to decipher. It's like, is that I before the V or after the V? Is that a four or a five? I die, son of a... Damn Super Bowl. I never know what Super Bowl it is. I never know what Super Bowl it is by looking at the logo. All right, so so if let's just say hypothetically, NASCAR says put them wherever you want. And... Owen Thunder Motorsports has a car. Uh, I like it the by the uh, in front of the tire. I also don't hate it, you know, on the on the back fender rear quarter panel area. I I don't. I know you you said you know you compared me to ASA last time and told me I go out of business quick. But uh, I the paint scheme ha- everything has to be right. I'll give you that. Everything has to be right. The logo on the door has to be right. The paint scheme, the lines of the car have to be right. Um, but I like it moved back, and I like it all the way, you know, behind the rear wheel. I just don't have a problem with it. I'm I'm fine with with whatever. I'd have to say I, I kind of agree with you there. Is like as long as the car wins, I don't care what it looks like. What about the other thirty nine cars? If, if you're putting oh, if 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 the racing's good, if you guys are fighting after the race, yeah. you know, I want fists flying. I want fenders bent. You know, if you don't, if you hate my number on the quarter panel, or or somebody's number on the quarter panel, just wreck them and wrinkle it. Wreck and wrinkle. There and you, go. you know what? You could wear a chicken suit for all I care in 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 behind the wheel of the car. Like as long as the racing is good, I'm entertained. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's one of those things that 
everybody's going to have an opinion on it and everybody's going to like that's the inter- that's the internet that's twitter everyone has their opinion and and they voice it out there i'll i'll tell you this it's not a hill i'm willing to i'm willing to die on if nascar wants to move the number so be it but preferably i didn't mind the number placement for the all-star race i'll be honest didn't mind it one bit now you had some guys made the number a little bit smaller. You had some guys make it move it. What like whatever? I would rather it be consistent. And they say this is the box you have to work with because you don't want one guy slapping his number on the quarter panel, one guy slapping his number on the on the seat post behind the front tire, up in no man's land. Let's keep the numbers in the same spot. I don't mind it. Do I like it? No. Do I mind it? No. Move it back right in front, right in front of the rear tire. Move it up a little bit, and I'm, I can stomach that. I can stomach that. If you had to choose between, this is a would you rather <laughs> for, yeah. for for Corey LaJoy. Well, would you rather? Would you rather always run the number on the rear quarter panel, or always have to wear the uh, tight cut uh, fire suit bottoms? I believe I'd find another profession. Nobody can see your legs in the race car. <laughs> but they can see you when you walk out. And you know you know who else I can see? Myself as a traitor and a and, and a wine and cheese racer. Ain't doing it. No how, no way. I can't see the numbers on the quarter panel when I'm driving, but I can look down and see my whatever they call those cut skinny jean leg fire suit leg ain't happening well, now, so i'm taking the number on the quarter panel now you're alienating the sonoma race fans because i mean that that's wine and cheese country out there i mean you got the vineyards nah, it's quite nice it is quite nice like there's nothing nice. there's nothing wrong with a little bit of wine and cheese man wine and cheese is good it's a good pairing it's fun it is a good pairing. after the first it's glass big. it all tastes the same anyways that's right and speak, speaking of a good pairing we got ryan flores with Boats and Woes coming right up next. Stand by. And we are back from a segment you love to hear, Pit Road Boats and Woes, with my buddy Ryan Flores, front changer for Brad Kozlowski. How was your weekend? It was good. Got an Xfinity win, another top five with the old two car. Um, our pit crew did get our uh, crew chief suspended, but uh, you'll have that in big time auto racing. Why'd you do that? Uh, not on purpose, I promise you that. But uh, you know the stakes are high there when you're running in the top five, last stop of the race. And Steven, our rear tire changer, um, he missed one going on in his on pattern, and Pat dropped it, and uh, turned out he missed two. So only three on the left rear gets Jeremy Bowens a week off. Well, speaking of week off, we got a busy week because you and I both are headed to Bristol for the Dirt Nationals. I'm driving a 604 crate late model. Uh, you are playing the role of a car owner this week, and Joey Logano will be behind the wheel of your Dirt Modified. Uh, what do you got going on with that thing right now? Yeah, I was just setting bearing spacers in it a minute ago. I was a little bit late to the podcast here, but uh, we're getting ready to go on scales and load that thing in the box and head up there. And I think there's a lot of guys that are utilizing this uh, Dirt Track Nationals here at Bristol this week. I think you, Cole Custer, uh, Austin Dillon and Kyle Bush will be there at some point. Brad's going to be there. So, uh, so it should be a fun race. Should be a fun weekend. And, um, 
being a car owner is more stressful than being a driver. I will tell you that. Well, that's why I'm a driver, man, because it pays better and you work a little bit less. So that's why I tried to stick to being a driver. But you just said it. That guy's like, let's count them out. Cole Custer, Joey, myself, Brad, um, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott's driving a super late for, uh, I don't even know whose car he's driving, but Kyle Busch is driving for uh, Jason, uh, Jonathan Davenport. Uh, so that's almost 10 guys. Austin Dillon? Austin Hell, he Dillon. got you a ride. You didn't even mention him. I know. That was my bad. Austin Dillon had a teammate <laughs> in that 604 crate late model. My man was practicing. The guy who owns the car took him out yesterday. Um, and he, I think our cars were first and third. So there is no excuse for me uh, besides never having set foot on a dirt track uh, behind the wheel of, of, I don't even know how to shift those things. It's like you push. You the don't have to shift. To They're direct drive. You're good. I know that, but how do you even get the thing going? You push the clutch in to go. Then that doesn't make it. sense. Yeah, you, it'll be, you'll be fine. So, you'll be fine. but hey, I, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson going to be there this weekend. Kyle Larson's going to be like, there you go. Next People start. are coming out of the woodwork to drive this thing. Uh, so that just goes to show the, the emphasis that the cup drivers are putting on uh, to get laps here at Bristol. Have you done it any dirt on iRacing yet? Ever? Yeah. Yeah, not Bristol. I have not got on there. Been working too much to to get on the old iRacing rig, but I might jump on there tonight if I have a chance. And uh, I don't know, you need to come over and jump on that thing if you want to. Got some sponsor stuff tonight, so I ain't going to make it happen. My first lap, I'm not going to have one lap iRacing, nothing. Just fire that thing off in a heat race and uh, say a quick prayer to the man above and freaking send it. That's my I told plan. Joey. I told Joey um, that they canceled practice, but it was good because in our division, he has the most laps around the track, so he should be fine. So I buy a long shot and the yeah. most wins. So he's, the <laughs> most wins. Right. Uh, he's probably got the most wins besides Kyle Bush going into there, regardless if they put dirt, gravel, uh, they haven't changed the walls and they haven't changed the track. So I put a little, little loose stuff on top. So Joe will be just fine. He ran well in Volusia too. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how he stacks up against the best modified guys in the country. Yeah. So circling back to Kyle Larson with the dirt stuff, looking this weekend, you see, uh, he kind of, had a little bit of uh, – had some woes there on pit road, two speeding penalties. You and I talked about it earlier, 50.01 and 50.02. Everybody kind of busting NASCAR's chops saying, why are they penalizing them for .01 over? But as you know and I know, NASCAR gives you a five-mile-an-hour buffer, so that's 5.01 miles an hour over. Let, let, me, let me lay it out for the list. So when NASCAR says that it's a 45-mile-an-hour pit, pit lane speed limit, they give you 45 miles an hour. They give you plus five, like Ryan just said. So you can be 49.99 miles an hour, which is 4.9 miles an hour faster than what the speed limit is. So I don't want to hear it. The fans saying, oh, it's just 0.01. No, it is 5.01 miles an hour over speed limit. And But that just goes to show how important track position is because you are trying to get every ounce of speed on rolling time. Uh, the pit crew is trying to get every ounce of speed in pit, pit lane, but there's a lot of speed to be made up, especially in the round of pit lane of Phoenix, but a bit Kyle Larson twice. And uh, ultimately, probably he t- probably had the second or third best car, and he ended up running seventh with it just from making those couple mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, it's another thing, you know, you think 45 mile an hour pit road speed. You think when we go to Indy, it's 55. So go stand on the side of a road where cars are doing 60 miles an hour and think about jumping in front of them. Don't jump in front of them. But that's, that's what we get paid to do. So yeah. you guys are definitely hauling the mail on pit road. All right. Well, I know you got work to do on that 
on that Joe Lagana Dirt Modified. I got some stuff going on tonight, so I'll let you go. Pit Road, Boats and Woes, another great segment. Brian Flores. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, guys. You know what time it is. It is heads or tails. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, the 20th anniversary of Kevin Harvick putting that white 29 Chevy and Victory Lane beat none other than Jeff Gordon. First heads or tails, Merriman. Who are we taking? Are we going to take Kevin Harvick 20 years later or Willie Byron in the 24th? I'll take Byron. In my, my long list of bad picks, I'll take Byron. All right, I, I love. I, now you're almost making it a thing. Like, all right, which one's the obviously bad choice? Yeah, give me that one. I will gladly take that, that low-hanging fruit of Kevin Harvick in Atlanta. He owns the place. So put one for the good guys, Kevin Harvick, this weekend. Backing it up 20 years later. All right, let's reuse one from Homestead because this place is, is wore out. It's old surface. Larson or Reddick, who do you think finishes better? I don't know. Is the high side a thing in Atlanta? The high side is too bumpy there. So um, the, the radius of the wall isn't consistent to where you really needed the track. Homestead is the perfect – like, it is the only racetrack, if they, I don't know if they intended it to be, like, a perfect radius wall to the corner, but they nailed it. Atlanta or every other place, Kansas might be the only other place that's close, but Atlanta, the wall, I mean, it's literally a track that was built in the 60s. So the walls all, it, it porpoises up and down. Uh, the asphalt's not, it doesn't have any more grip up top than it does in the bottom. So don't look for guys ripping the fence like Coloretic. But a guy like Kyle Larson can slide that thing around. He's had a lot of good runs there at Atlanta before. I'm going going with the the five. I'll take the five, too. All right, Chuck, what do you got one for? (laughs) And this is kind of playing off of uh, the Corey stories that that we had. uh, Heads or tails. Heads up race. Chase Elliott versus Bill Elliott in their prime. Who gets the win? Would you have Million Dollar Bill or Million Dollar Chase? Love it. Which car? The go-kart from Corey Stories? Yeah, the go-kart from Corey Stories. <laughs> Stand by for the go-kart out of Corey Stories, by the way. Coming right up. All right, let me let me say this. Uh, you know, 1985 Spoiler laid down on that Ford Thunderbird. I'm taking Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. You put the big-ass Spoiler and Awesome 
clad from the same place in there, it's going to be a tough race because the racing, you race a little bit different um, that, that they did in the late 80s. But, you know, my thing is, Chase had to learn it from somewhere. I think he got it from his old man. I'm going to take awesome Bill. Now, rewind this question even further. Are we doing this Atlanta race on the tri-oval or the true oval without the dog leg in the front stretch? I say we go the, 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 the true oval, the, o, the OG. So, I, with that being said, Bill Elliott's got a million laps around there. Chase doesn't have any. Entry the corner, entry of one's going to be a little different. Exit of four's going to be a little different. I'm going to take Bill Elliott in that head, Dad. What about you, John? Uh, I'm taking student over teacher. I'll go Chase. No, I said I guess we'll never know. That's just a hypothetical of all hypothetical. But that's what's fun about it. I mean, you've got uh, that is you, you've got the greatest uh, road course racer in NASCAR history uh, versus uh, million uh, dollar Bill. Heads or tails, Chase or Jeff Gordon on a road course? Chase. I mean, Chase has got the, the stats to back it up. He is, uh, and that was before. Like now, people actually try at road courses. Like the, the top. I mean, I try at road courses, and I suck. But like. There are 25 guys who, who actively go to schools, go to wherever, run these, all these classes and run the smaller divisions. Back in the day, there was only like three guys that knew how to like heel toe, you know? So Jeff Gordon was, should have won every race, but didn't. Now what Chase Elliott's doing to the competition, granted he hasn't won uh, this year yet, but he was on a roll for all the, road courses it is impressive what chase elliott is doing at every road course we go to and there you have it there's heads or tails and we're going to live out that hypothetical georgia boy situation here on Corey's story stand by we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
this weekend as we make our way down to the Peach State, a land that was given birth to father and son duo NASCAR champions. I'm speaking, of course, at the home track of the one and only Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Bill Elliott and the track, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Okay, so maybe it's not really that close to Dawsonville, when it comes to home tracks for NASCAR, all that matters is that it's in the same state. Some of you may remember Bill Elliott's NASCAR Challenge, one of the first video games back in the 90s to involve a real NASCAR driver and the chance for you to race on such legendary gaming consoles as Amiga, Mac, and the ever-popular Nintendo Entertainment System. If there was another Bill Elliott Challenge in the mid-1990s, this one involved Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and miniature race cars. Now we all know the story of how Bill Elliott got his million dollar bill moniker at Darlington back in 1985, but the story I'm about to tell you isn't about that million dollars. We are instead going to dive into Reese's Bill Elliott's $1 million driving challenge and instant win game. The game gave regular folks a shot at racing against one of NASCAR's greats. If they were to beat Elliott's time on the special built course, they would win $1 million. They can beat me. Maybe we'll put him in the race car next week, Elliot says. I think this is a great promotion because it gives the average fan a chance to run against me. So basically, you got three laps to try and beat Bill Elliott's time. And if you didn't win, second place prize was a Bill Elliott signature edition Ford Thunderbird. And Reese's is going to donate $10,000 to the Children's Miracle Network. Not a bad constellation prize if you ask me. I mean, hey, it's for the kids. Put your hands together and give it up for Bill Elliott and the Reese's Million Dollar Challenge. The first event takes place on a bright sunny day in March in Hampton, Georgia before the Bush Series race. Coincidentally, also right before this first race was contested, Dale Earnhardt unveiled the 1996 Atlanta Olympic paint scheme that he would run in the Winston later that year at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The course is set up from the start-finish line down into turn one using a set of cone structures. Jack Aroot emceed the event, and now we can neither confirm or deny it, but Christy Brinkley may have even been there. Or at least one of Reese's spokesmodels was trying to cop her look. Bill was up first, took the modified go-kart out on a couple of shakedown laps before putting down his hot lap on his third and final run. He got some heat and tires, worked his way through the cone chicanes, and put down a time of 53.01. Next up, was the challenger Rod Hot Rod Roderick? What a name. I think he's a little nervous. <laughs> what makes you think that? Well, I think it was our conversation a little earlier. It's a great opportunity, though, because if you do post the time, the Children's Miracle Network, they get a $10,000 donation in your name. Regardless, he wins that beautiful Ford Thunderbird over there. And that's an Elliott signature series. Oh, absolutely. Either way, he wins. If he loses, he wins. Folks, this is truly a win-win situation. The hot rod looked to be putting down some heat in his warm-up lap, and when it came time for the money, his splits were just a hair faster than million-dollar Bill himself. But disaster struck. First, he hit a cone, which cost him one second time penalty. Then coming through the chicanes, back to the start finish line, he gets loose, and the back end comes around. He spins that out of his chance to win that money. This man is a racer. His final time was 60 seconds, 0.47. After hitting two cones and going for a spin, missed it by that much. Although, I bet the folks at Reese's are pretty happy they didn't have to shell out a million bucks. Do you realize 
that without those penalties and that spin, you would have been $1 million richer? Oh, well, can't win them all. Yeah, I want it. Folks, I want to hear him tell his wife that when he comes home with that Thunderbird. Honey, I got some good news and some bad news for you. Bad news is I lost a million. Good news is here's the keys to the new car. That's right. The event seemed to be a success with great publicity, huge fan turnout. So I bet the folks at Reese's in Atlanta were thinking, you know what, let's run this back and do it again. Unfortunately, a wreck at Talladega later that spring would sideline Bill Elliott for most of the 1996 season. Flash forward Saturday, March 8th, 1997. NASCAR fan and truck driver Tim Vincent would become the second fan to race for a shot at the $1 million in the Reese's Bill Elliott $1 million driving challenge. Now, the way the contest works was you sent in your name and address and they would randomly select you for a grand prize trip to Atlanta. And Vincent was chosen out of over 300,000 entries. Tell us about that phone call. Uh, when they called, I just, I couldn't believe it. I kept saying, this must be a joke, this must be a joke. It still, it didn't really sink in until that Daytona when we got an opportunity to meet Bill. I am fighting a little bit of a cold, so I'll probably be off just a little bit today. So, you know, he might can capitalize on that. That might be good for a couple of tents, Tim. What do you think? Oh, gosh, I'm hoping so. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Again, awesome Bill set the pace. And let me tell you, from watching the video, he was putting that car through its paces and looked to be put on a master class on how to drive a miniature Thunderbird. So when old Tim Vincent got behind the wheel, he had his work cut out for him. But he, too, would come up short, although put together a solid run. Now, I've got to be honest here. Our crack research team failed to come up with the lab times for these runs. But it was close. And Tim walked away with a new Bill Elliott signature Ford Thunderbird. Gets the congratulations and uh, hey, Ford Thunderbird with Bill Elliott signature edition, that's not too shabby, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a beautiful car. I've already seen the car and it's beautiful. At this point, this contest hasn't given away a million dollars and has given fans two new cars. The Children's Miracle Network has benefited with a couple of charitable donations. It's really cooking. So why not do another race? Which brings us to November 15th of 1997. Pole day at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which saw Jeffrey Bodine put his number seven, hey, number seven, Ford Thunderbird in the pole for the race. And what better way to follow up a qualifying session and a couple more hot laps and some souped up go-karts. Once again, Billy climbed aboard his miniature Thunderbird and set a blistering pace for our young challenger to try to beat. Bill, 47-18, you made it tough for him to beat, but uh, he's got a shot. Well, he's got a good shot. You know, the more I run, the better, the, the more heat got in the tires, because right off the bat, the tires were just really all over the place. I feel like he'll have a good shot at me. You think he's going to have a better shot than the guy back in the spring? Uh, he, he struggled out there, but it looks like you got a serious uh, challenger right here. I think I got a serious guy right here. I think he'll do a good job. Would the third time be the charm? We would finally see somebody claim that million dollar prize. Enter Greg, no last name. Because our research department probably got a little lazy and got into the sauce. We've got to be honest, his first two laps weren't that promising. He hit some cones, got into the grass, he was spun around. He just looked slow. After a little bit of coaching, he sets out in his third and final lap, the hot lap, the money lap, the one for all the marbles, the whole enchilada. Our guy takes off in a blaze of speed, works his way through the first chicane, cutting it close, and as he makes the turn at the end of the course, things are looking good. Meanwhile, the champ, Bill Elliott, is just sitting there at the start and finish line, holding a young Chase Elliott who's smiling, watching this guy on his run. Probably thinking, one day I'm going to be the best road racers on the NASCAR circuit. That probably not. But enough about Chase. Back to the race. As he comes back down the front stretch, he is getting it. He's trying to get every little bit of speed he can. He gets a little loose, comes around one of those cones, gets it up on three wheels, and well, 
just listen to the audio. From the audio, you can probably tell the car spins and lands in the crowd, hitting famed Atlanta traffic reporter Captain Herb Emery, who had taken over MC roles for Jack Aroot. Everybody seemed to be okay. Bill and Chase even came over to supervise some cleanup. Greg even gave a post-race interview sharing his thoughts on the incident. Yeah, it was a bit scary. I'm sure it was uh, pretty scary for the people down here watching the race, but uh, I had heard that the last couple turns is where you could maybe make up some speed, go ahead and, and get into the accelerator, and, and that's what I did, and the car just got loose on me, completely lost control, and unfortunately kind of came in here into some people, but I hope everybody's okay. A million dollars isn't worth people getting hurt. Well, at least you get the car, if nothing else, right, Craig? Yeah, it's a great consolation prize, new 97 Ford Thunderbird, and uh, I'll certainly drive it with pride, knowing how I uh, want it. I gotta be honest, the video is getting amazing, but this is a podcast, so just use your mind to play this all out. Up there it is, three attempts at a million-dollar prize. Come up short with all three contestants driving away in a brand-new Thunderbird. Is this groundbreaking research? Hell no. It's just a story of a few things that happened down at Land Motor Speedway that we thought you'd find entertaining. So there you have it. Go-karts, four Thunderbirds, Corey Stories. Hi, y'all. Chuck here with a little addendum to Corey's story. We're just scratching the surface on some of these stories, in particular this one. So if you know anything about Reese's Bill Elliott's $1 million driving challenge and instant win game, shoot us a tweet, do like hashtag stacking pennies, hashtag Atlanta Motor Speedway, whatever hashtag you want to throw in there, tag me, tag Corey, tag Merriman if you want to. But if you know anything about this event and could help us, you know, flesh it out a little bit more, if, if you're Greg, if Greg's listening, We'd like to talk to Greg. We'd like to talk to Hot Rod. We'd like to talk to Tim, the guys that drove away in their new Ford Thunderbird. If you know anything about it, let us know. And now, on with the rest of the show. I got the Lincoln warmed up outside, about to head west to Bristol. We'll do a little dirt racing tonight, but we got a little quick spare change. What do we got? We got Ty Gibbs coming in second in his second ever career race. Pretty impressive. Um, and I want to talk about Ty Gibbs for a second. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. I see a lot of people on, on Twitter, oh, he's just Joe, Joe Gibbs' his grandson, this and that. Regardless of who grandson he is, the guy is a wheel man. I mean, there was guys in that 54 car last year and some guys that they give in the, in the past couple that can't get the job done. He comes in the first two races, he wins and finishes second. So, um, Ty Gibbs is a guy to keep your eyes on, regardless of who's you're related to in the future, in the Xfinity Series next year, even this year. 
uh, in the Cup Series in the future. What else we got? We had Austin Cindric backed up his title defense by winning at Phoenix. Certainly his championship favorite there in the Xfinity Series. And we saw, what else we saw? We saw Kyle Larson speed a couple of times on pit road, like Ryan Flores mentioned. And we had a little fun with Bill Elliott and Corey Stories. Hope y'all enjoyed that. I got to go. I got to go get a little dirty. I don't know what the hell I'm going to be doing all week, but stand by. I don't even know where you can stream it. Uh, I'd rather you not watch it. It's going to be like a baby deer trying to walk. It's dirt on Bristol. Here we go. Corey Stories, Zach and Tanny's. All the good stuff. Boats and woes. Jonathan Merriman, Chuck Bush. Thanks again. Talk to y'all next week.